G'day everybody, welcome back to the Mastering Risk Management Podcast, I'm Anthony Wilson and this is a podcast chat, so as always we have Brett Palmer with us today, hey Brett. Hey Anthony, how are we going? Wonderful, wonderful and uh, today we have another interesting uh, podcast chat based on some of the questions we get when we're out uh, talking to clients and potential clients. And, uh, you know, it, uh, it indicates that there is a, a bit of a lack of knowledge in some spaces. So, uh, you know, we're only too happy to help. So today's chat, how low do we go? Brett, what, what do, do we, we mean by how low do we go? We get that question a bit. We do, don't we? Uh, it's rare that we would actually have a risk workshop where we don't get asked by somebody, how low do we go? Yeah. You know? um, I guess the big issue here is the inclination the tendency for people to automatically assume that every risk needs to be low. Yeah. Oh, gee, that'd be a wonderful world, <laughs> wouldn't it? How good would that be if every risk was low? Probably wouldn't need to be doing a great deal. Um, but the reality is that not every risk can be low and probably more relevant, not every risk needs to be low. Yeah. So the question really is there is to provide guidance with pe- to people as to how they can actually approach this because, uh, as I say, it's something that a lot of people just can't really get their head around. Yeah. Um, there's an automatic assumption that oh, I've got a risk here that, that isn't low, I've got to get there, as opposed to saying, well, where does the risk currently sit? Where are all my other risks? Are they higher? where do I need to apply my resources because I don't have unlimited resources available. Yeah. Now, that scarce allocation of resources thing is a pretty important issue. Yeah. That's that's a really good point, Brett. I think um, most listeners will have heard of the term risk appetite. Uh, we are going to have a chat about risk appetite in a future podcast chat. Um, they may have also heard of tolerance. Um, and these things are important and we will explore them. But for the time being, Think of them as some guardrails, some guidelines for you when you're making decisions about risks. So I guess the key guidance you need to think about when when you're asking yourself that question, how low do we need to go, is what does the organisation deem acceptable for a start? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And and it's an interesting question in the context of opportunities, Anthony, because the the answer to the question could be the complete opposite Mm. to what the answer might be for threats. Mm. So for opportunities, it may well be, well, we are too low, we need to be going Absolutely. higher. Absolutely, yeah, we need to take more risk and, and uh, opportunities generally are those. You need to get out and, and take smart risks. Think about risk management for sure and do the usual disciplines, but in this occasion, you're pursuing opportunities. So the risk tolerance or the risk appetite needs to be higher generally. So Brett, That's absolutely what sort right. of things yep. should organisations be considering when they're thinking about how low do we go? Well, I think the first thing, Anthony, is that, that what I mentioned just a minute ago, which is about the other risks and where they yeah. sit. Uh, and your availability of resources, uh, now resources being people and and uh, and yeah. money, uh, the dollars, the funding that you need, because uh, whilst it's nice to, to sort of want the risks to reduce, they tend not to reduce without a, some effort and some resources being applied yeah. to them. So... Um, if you have a risk that's, for example, sitting in the mid-range, let's say you've got a moderate risk at a residual yep. level, um, yeah, you've got another risk that's high at a residual yep. level. It wouldn't make a great deal of sense economically to be reducing the moderate risk yeah. uh, rather than reducing the high yeah. risk. Now, in a perfect world uh, where you do have unlimited resources, you could reduce both. Yeah. 
but that's not how it works. So, you know, it's very important that when you're sitting down and looking at your your risks and making the decision about where you want to get them to, that you are thinking about this issue of, of resource allocation. Um, and for that matter, you've then got to think about how do I go about getting those resources to the to the risk so that we can achieve that risk reduction. Um, a part of the process that many organisations don't tackle with any level of formality and structure mm. is that these improvements in controls to reduce risk ratings should be part of your budget process. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to put that money aside uh, to actually make these control improvements to to make these risk treatments come to life and if you haven't if you haven't right. budgeted for it it uh, it won't happen and i guess brett there's another wrinkle on that too and that is um you know that moderate that you spoke about uh, uh moving it to low the actual exposure let's say for argument's sake might be a hundred thousand dollar loss if that risk was to eventuate well there's not much point spending a million dollars on controls to save that hundred thousand dollars is there right. so you know yeah, that cost cost versus yeah. benefit equation needs to be considered. You know, the cost the cost is what is it going to cost us to reduce it. The benefit is what's the reduction in the risk yeah. rating. So if that doesn't align, yeah, you don't want to spend a million dollars to save a dollar. Absolutely, and that that um, that sometimes is what hap- we see happen. You know, lots of effort and scarce resources, as you said, is going into the wrong stuff. So that prioritisation, cost-benefit analysis. And there's also, Brett, alternative strategies, I guess. You know, you can you can resort to contingency planning in some cases. Did you, did you just want to talk about that for a second? Yeah, I think contingency planning is really um, the equivalent of mitigating controls to minimise your consequences in the event that the risks arise. But for some risks, uh, there isn't a great deal you can do on the prevention side. So, you know, unfortunately... Some of the risks that we face out there are economic risks, um, you know, geopolitical risks. These are the things that affect everybody all over the world. Um, but you can't just sit there and rest on your laurels and say, gee, I hope it doesn't happen. Mm. And if it does, we'll just have to go with it. Mm. Uh, these are the sorts of things where your contingency planning is effectively mitigating controls to address the consequences. Yeah. So in a bow tie context, yeah, you might not have a lot of controls on the left-hand side of your bow tie. But you are going to have to have some controls on the right-hand side of your bow tie so you can implement those contingency plans to minimise the consequences. Absolutely, absolutely. And it just reminds me too, Brett, of another episode that will come up at some point in time where we will talk about some of those business resilience elements which are critical uh, contingencies. So uh, we'll have that discussion absolutely. as well. Yeah, look forward yeah. to that. Yeah. Yep. Now, that's really good. And, and I think um, it's quite legitimate. Uh, for organisations to say, you know, hey, listen, it may be more practical to have a contingency plan rather than trying to spend a whole heap of money to reduce a risk uh, to a low level. So think about that as an alternative as well. And I guess um, at the end of the day, depending on what the project is and its priority, Brett may actually determine, you know, whether it needs to go to low as well. So, uh, you know, that, that project objective could be uh, quite minor in the grand scheme of things. It might be an enabling project or something like that, um, you know, rather than something that's absolutely critical for the organisation. So that may have a bearing on how low you bring the risk. Absolutely, Anthony. And I think the other thing to remember is that y- you have to take risk to be in business. Absolutely. So there are some risks that, yeah, you might want to get them lower, but the reality is you can't and you have to make a decision. Yeah a risk-based decision on whether you do or don't want to be exposed to that. It's just part of doing business. Yeah. So, and, and of course, the other thing we've got is this concept of ALAP, which most of us are familiar with as low as reasonably practical. Yeah. 
Um, and, and the whole underlying intention of that is that we have to accept that there are risks that you simply cannot reduce effectively. That's right. That's right. And it's it's in all things balance, I think someone said famous, uh, famously once. So, uh, yeah, you, you have to make some decisions because, I mean, at the end of the day, risk management's not about reducing everything to a low level, but managing right. the risks in a way that aligns with the organisation's objectives, its resources, you know, and its risk appetite or risk tolerance. So you may be able to do that through contingency plans. You may require something uh, about preventing the risk. You may need to spend a bit of money and put some controls in place. It's balance and making sure that you've considered all sides of the equation. You think about cost, you think about benefit, you think about prioritisation, you think about the objectives, you think about... um, all of those things, the appetite, etc. Um, in, in risk management, there's a lot of a lot of balance and and to some degree some compromise, I guess. That's right. You know, Anthony, one of the things we have seen coming out of the, some of the risk workshops that we've facilitated over the years is that measure of risk management maturity in an organisation where they get to a stage where they can actually start to strip away some of the controls because yeah. they they recognise that the controls are not actually adding value. Yeah. So there's more of a recognition on the importance of critical controls uh, for management of risks. Um, and, and when organisations start to strip or strip their controls away, the ones that are just not adding value, it's a great sign that they're actually going through the process properly, understanding the role of the controls in reducing the risk and making decisions about what they can and can't accept. Yeah. Yeah, my word, and we've seen it everywhere. You know, oh, excuse me, why do you produce that report? Oh, well, they told me 10 years ago when I got here, I have to print this report out every Monday. Well, what do you do with it? Oh, well, I'll just stick it in the drawer. Uh, <laughs> we've seen those controls in, in lots of organisations. Yes, unfortunately, it does happen yeah, quite a lot, yeah, doesn't and, it? and stripping away control seems to be, um, I don't know, it seems to be counterintuitive to, to humans, but, um, you know, it's absolutely essential. It Otherwise, you, you you gum up the works of the organisation, you know, with, with useless work. Well, you've heard me say it many times, Anthony, that sometimes your risk is actually an acceptable yeah. level. But you might actually want to make some changes to your controls because you can enhance the effectiveness yeah. of the uh, the controls because your controls at the end of the day are basically just the procedures you operate to manage absolutely. the business. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And one automated control might replace three manual controls. You know, there's all of those sort of opportunities that that organisations need to think about. No, that's great. Excellent. Well, that was a great discussion about how low do you go. I think uh, we see it a fair bit. People sometimes have this this view that all risks need to be rated at the low level. Uh, Otherwise, risk management is not effective. That's not the case at all. So uh, there's a lot of different factors that go into it. So... Thanks, Brett. Good insight as usual. Thanks, Anthony. Always good to chat. No dramas. All right, listeners, thank you for tuning in yet again. Uh, We will be back with more of the podcast chat episodes shortly. So until then, cheers. Bye.